What a delight to be here with you, with our good, good Father who joins us. He's so pleased that you are here, and he is so pleased that he longs to speak into your heart today. I'm thankful that I have an opportunity to be somewhat of his voice as we listen to him. So I'm sure you're wondering why I'm here. How did I get to be standing on this box sharing with you my deepest thoughts? Well, I've got it figured out. Pastor Terry and team figured, wow, we've had a wonderful summer. We've had some really good theologians, some really deep thinkers sharing tremendous words of God. But you know, that makes it kind of heavy, and this is summer. So I think we should provide some comic relief. (laughs) Now, who are we going to ask? Well, I got it. Let's ask Tricia. We just won't tell her that she's the comic. So, I'm here to tell you that there's bad news and there's good news. And the reality is the bad news, I don't have much comic in me. But the good news is that when I'm finished, you're going to be really relieved that you get to come back to the pastors. (laughs) Let me begin by showing you a picture of God's beautiful creation. Some of you won't be able to see it and it doesn't matter, it's just a prop. But this is uh, Kelly's bathtub, and it's an artist's rendition of a beautiful scene, a beautiful creation that God has in Hinton, Alberta. It represents the theme of my talk, so I'll, um, I'll come back to it later. I had planned to share the story of God with you. In fact, a month and a half ago, I knew what I would be talking on. I'd been studying the story of God, and then... Pastor Terry stepped in and said, would you please speak? And I said, okay, yeah, I'd love to speak on the story of God. And so I'd been preparing for a long time. But God, that is a phrase you will hear today. But God, if I understood his leading, said, I don't want you to speak on the story of God. So last Sunday, I had to go to Pastor Terry just before his holidays and tell him, I'm sorry, Terry, but I don't really know what I'm speaking on. That's not a good way for Terry to have to go into his holidays. Meanwhile, God was silent about this talk. This past Tuesday, I was starting to get emails from Pastor Tim and from Colin asking what my topic was. I wasn't sure. No pressure, God, but I need a topic and I need a sermon. I'd been studying Abraham, and so he was a huge part of God's story, so I decided, well, let's, let's at least give them something to feed on. So I said, well, I'm going to preach on Abraham and joy. I may emailed Tim and Colin on Wednesday morning, even though I wasn't settled on what God wanted me to share about Abraham. Now, you need to understand that Wednesday was my birthday, So I'd hardly got up. I mean, I'd been up and been with God, but before I was even settled with what what God and I were staying that day, the phone began to ring. Now, I don't have many friends, but most of them contacted me that morning. And so by 10 o'clock, I'm upset. God, I don't have time for a, a stupid birthday. I've got a sermon to preach. Anyway, God was asking, do you trust me? Well, yeah, yeah, I trust you, God, but I'd really like a sermon. (laughs) I still hadn't picked a theme because God hadn't given me one. So I had to wait for his leading. 
So that day, around 10 o'clock, I said, God, I've got a birthday. I've got friends. I've got people that want to bless me. I want to be with them. I'm going to let this sermon go for today. And I had a delightful day with my friends and, and uh, all of the people that interacted with me. So now we're into Thursday. This is fine, God, but I need a sermon. I need a topic. As I'm driving, God, as, as I'm driving on Thursday, and I don't have any, any time on Thursday. I've got all kinds of commitments, a, a birthday supper Thursday night. But Lord, give me a topic. And God plants within me Thursday loss. Loss. God, I was going to speak on joy. I don't want to speak on loss. But we've all had loss in our life. And God wants to specifically speak to you today about loss. Some of you children have had loss. You've lost a pet. You've lost a friend. You've lost some security or some stability. We've all had forms of loss, whether it's a loved one, whether it's a dream, whether it's our emotional stability. We've all had loss. Some losses are very deep, and so others are more like surprises. I do not want to blithely stand up here and tell you that all losses are good. No, we are in a fallen world, and some losses are dreadful and very grievous. God's heart is broken over some of your losses. However, I think I can say that in each loss, there is an opportunity to get to know God better. Plus, God would like to do some healing in your life. I can say with certainty that God wants you to know today that he sees your loss he intimately knows your loss, and he cares deeply for your loss and your pain. Before I proceed with God's story, I want to give you a prop. I hesitate because it's all, it doesn't always apply. If it isn't helpful, forget it. Is God inviting us to see that in each loss there is an opportunity to let go of that loss in order that we'll be able to grasp the new opportunity he is offering us? You see... If I have a loss and I'm hanging on to it, there is no opportunity for me to be able to take hold of perhaps what he has for me, which, which may be, wrong order, which may be an opportunity. If we could only see that God is inviting us into opportunities perhaps even through that loss. I don't need to deny that what is taken away from us in that loss does not appear sometimes to be replaced by anything good. But neither do we always see what our life is in the light of eternity. I begin the story with Creator God making some of the most universe, making the most universe, beautiful universe, this glorious earth, along with all manner of things, living things, build, living in harmony, the plants of the earth, the creations with mankind um, at peace, and mankind with mankind at peace, and God and the Father and mankind at peace. In fact, Jesus came, our God came down and walked with man. There was no fear, no anger, no disease. All of creation living in harmony. But as you know, that order came to a close when God knew that he needed to give man a choice. And so he said, you may not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and you know that man chose to be independent and to go his own way and to, to eat of that tree. The result was a separation from the relationship that we had with God and all of his creation. This marvelous universe had been handed over to the power of God's fallen angel, Satan. Now we know that Satan exists solely to steal, kill, and destroy. So all manner of evil entered the world. Weeds appeared to overtake the ground. Animals were afraid of man. Man distrusted and betrayed man. But the greatest tragedy was that man in his independence was now separated from a holy God. God was no longer free to walk intimately with man in the garden. And as the years progressed, man became more and more depraved. None of this was a surprise to God. He knew the terrible repercussions of creating man in his own image with an ability to think and choose. But God wanted man to be made in his image with feelings and choices. He wanted an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. So God, from eternity past, knew that he would need to bring about a solution to the mess that man would make by not trusting him. The solution that God would effect was to come forth from a man, Abram, who would bring forth a nation, the Jews, who would display his righteousness and justice to the nations. Through this nation, Israel, God would bring about his ultimate solution. Abram was the beginning of the generations that God used to bring Jesus Christ to earth. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, became man for our deliverance. This incredible gift and sacrifice of God himself coming to earth to live and die and to resurrect. By this, Jesus defeated death and made a way for mankind to return to the Father. Yet still the choice remains with us. We can choose to live for God, or we can choose to live for ourselves. In this branch of God's story, God introduces himself through various names. I have chosen two that I feel will assist in our coming to understand God better through the lens of loss. The first is God, Elroy, the God who sees me. And the second is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Let me take you to two of God's people to help you see how God uses loss to open his wonderful plans for his glorification and for our salvation. We look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah as revealed by the God who sees Abraham and Sarah and will provide a way. As we look at their losses, let us watch for how they choose to handle each individual loss. Did they accept the loss, release it into God's hands, expecting that somehow God would provide something better or take care of the loss in a meaningful way? Or did they cling to the loss, choosing not to trust God, working out their own salvation and bringing about more pain? We will see how easy it is to get tired of loss and the waiting and may result, um, the waiting that may result, and determine to work out our own solution. Watch as you see how this created, extreme, this created extreme pain and turmoil. As the story unfolds, I invite you to be thinking of your losses. Are you hanging on to them, trying to find your own solutions in order to get rid of the pain? Or are you willing to and able to release those losses into God's hands for him to make something beautiful of them? God, Elroy, needed a man, so he chose Abram. 
Abram was busy in his life in Ur of the Chaldees. He probably worshipped idols, as did those around him. When God needed to make himself known to Abram, Stephen in the book of Acts tells us that God appeared to Abram. In that appearing, he said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram was willing uh, was to leave everything that was familiar to him, his land, his family, friends, culture. All this to follow God's, a God he did not know, into a location that was not specified. He is being invited to uproot and leave everything that was familiar and dear to him because some stranger appeared to him and told him to go. There was no compensation, no contract, not even a promise to travel alongside to lead and protect. Let's imagine Abram telling Sarai the plan. Honey, you may find this difficult to believe, but someone appeared to me. Someone? Who? Someone. I'm not quite sure who he is. Okay. What do you mean appeared to you? He just kind of showed up. Showed up? From where? I don't really know. Interesting. So why are you telling me this? Well, he told me to go. Go where? Actually, he told me to leave. Er. Leave her? To go where? Well, he didn't say. What do you mean he didn't say? He just said, to a land I will show you. What? <laughs> that may not have been the only conversation they had before they left their families and walked out of their country. When this invitation to, to relationship happened, Abram was 75 years old. His wife, Sarai, was 65. They were not spring chickens eager for an adventure. This was a couple who had struggled with infertility and only had an extended family to support them. They were already at an advanced age. Now they were to leave those they loved to walk into an unknown future and location. Thus began one long, hot trip on cranky camels. But God, who sees their forsaking of all things dear, promises he will provide a land. So they arrive in Canaan, and God again peers to Abram and says, To your offspring, I will give this land. Whoopee! We have finally thought we have arrived. Life has hopefully be good. Not. There is a severe famine. And Abraham does not yet know God well enough to know that he can trust that God will look after him. And so Abram decides to go to Egypt because he thinks he can find help there. 
kind of. Then he gets there, and Abram, fearing for his hide, chooses to lie, thoughtlessly sending Sarai to live with a hundred other women for the sole purpose of pleasing Pharaoh. She must have been one beautiful old woman, for she was probably pushing 70 years old. We're not sure, as women don't reveal their age. This was not God's plan. What on earth were they doing in Egypt? Was Sarah living in a harem? This is not how to keep a wife happy. Abram should have taken premarital counseling. But God sees Abram and Sarah and provides a way to escape Egypt and return to their promised land, Canaan. You know the hilarious or sad part of the story? Abram makes the same mistake again. Same wife, same lying, different harem, different king. But same God who sees Abram and Sarah and provides them with escape from the harem fiasco. Now comes the years of silence. But finally, the Lord chooses to communicate, this time in word and in vision. In Genesis 15, God says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Can you imagine the excitement of Abram's family? A child, a son. After all these years, a child, a son. But the years dragged on and on, and no son. Ten long years of waiting and disappointment and tears. Enough. It is time to find a solution to the son. Sarah gets creative, Abram gets submissive, and Ishmael is born to the slave Hagar. Ah, to Abraham, he was a beautiful child, his son. But what Sarah hoped would make her happy, a child, did not make her happy at all. The years fly by for Abram, who had a son, happily, but probably dragged by for Sarah who had gone into old age, childless and barren. During the next 14 years, God is silent. Abram is now 99 years old when God appears to him. I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God says to to him, As for me, 
This is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestors of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a a man who is 100 years old? Can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. God says, No, but your wife Sarah shall bear you a son, and you shall name him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will bless him and make him fruitful and exceedingly numerous. He shall be the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this season next year. Well, Abraham was overwhelmed by God's appearance and promises. But Sarah did not as intimately know this God. So when God walks into their yard and says, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son, Sarah laughs at God. After all, she knows that she is long past her childbearing days, and she assumes Abraham is as well. And besides, she has had years of waiting and hoping and watching and begging Years of disappointment and tears and sadness. But you know the story. At the age of 100 years old, Abraham says a son. At the age of 90, Sarah bears a child. They name him Laughter or Isaac. For God has seen their sorrow and he provides the promised son. Oh, a family. God had given them a family. Everyone was, should be happy, right? Wrong. Sarah is not happy. There is a son in the camp that does not belong to her. Ishmael is not her child. He must go. Abraham cannot believe this. Ishmael is his son whom he loves. Sarah wants to cast out his son. So God takes this, so Abraham takes this to to God. Let him choose. And God says, no, Ishmael must go. But even in that, God sees Abram's anguish and provides through his loss, I don't know how. Only God sometimes can touch those deep hurts, those wounds. The peaceful years roll by. Isaac is such a joy to Abraham and Sarah. But then comes the testing of God. God says, Take your son, 
your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the mountain of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. We can only imagine the devastation of that command. Abraham had already given up one son. Now the son that God acknowledges Abraham loves is to be sacrificed, put to death. But Isaac is the promised son, the gift of God. Is it possible he is to die? Abraham got up the next morning, saddled his donkey, choosing to step out in instant obedience. We can only imagine the battle that raged in Abraham's heart as he thought about what he had to do in the future to kill his son Isaac. But God calls from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, and since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. When Abraham looked up, there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham offered this ram as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. God saw Abraham's grief and obedience, and God provided a substitute sacrifice, a ram. As you have seen, God found it necessary to remove certain things from Abraham and Sarah. These losses were very difficult. God would invite him to go to let go of something, and when he had released it, there would be a new space that might, God might bring them something that would bring a blessing to a vast number of people. Some of those losses, in hindsight, make sense. Others, not so much. We, with our 2020 vision, can see what a great victory has been won for all eternity because they chose to believe that God, El Roy, sees them in their losses and that God, Jehovah Jireh, will provide. We, standing at this period of history, know that the blessing of God on Abraham and Sarah was far beyond what they could have ever imagined for themselves personally, but also for mankind. So let me return to Kelly's bathtub and a bit of my story. I was serving in the Alliance Church in Hinton. When that job came, came to completion, I felt that God was inviting me to choose where to live. I chose Calgary. Now this is where Tricia steps in and makes her own plans. I was determined that I was coming to Calgary to either find a man or to find a ministry. Now, I didn't want to be greedy, so I was saying, Lord, one or the other. I don't need to have both. It's okay. <laughs> I knew that if I, I married a man, I could, get, I could live happily ever after. But since God knew that living happily ever after is a pipe dream, he chose not to fulfill it. <laughs> so now I know I began looking for a ministry. Something important. You have to understand the ministry has to be important so the people think I'm fairly important. That's important for me. So why don't we try to go overseas? I tried really, really hard to go overseas, but God would not allow me to go overseas. No open doors. So now I'm looking for a ministry, something, you know, fairly decent, Lord. By now I'd moved to Okotoks and I joined my new church family 
all of you who have been such a blessing to me and I'm so thankful for. But here I was, not a sniff of a man, no important ministry, not even a job. I was a woman with big dreams who suddenly feels useless, unwanted, and unlovely. So I went into depression. In the midst of my depression, I needed to earn some money. I became an Avon agent. This was not exactly what I had in mind as an important ministry. God is gracious. I enjoyed going door to door, being the light of Christ. However, I was not very good at selling, so money was tight. Next, I had the privilege of working at a faith-based mission store, WorldServe Thrift Store. There I made some precious friends, some of who are here today. Meanwhile, I was dabbling in art. Therefore, I decided to take lessons. All this time, I was waiting for some important ministry to appear. But till that ministry appeared, I would waste my money on art lessons and paint sometimes. But then it began to appear that God was inviting me to get serious about art. Now, that is ridiculous. Art is not valuable. It has no value at all. Sure, sure, Da Vinci and his pictures have some value, and there's some artists who may have some pictures that have value. But to me, art had no value. God could not be inviting me to paint regularly. I went into serious confrontation mode for over a year. I kept arguing with God about this. God, this is a waste of my time and my money. Well, technically, it's your money, but I sure like using it and saving it. God, I will never be a famous artist, and so my time with art is a waste of a life. I do not want to be an artist. I want to do something that has value and is recognized as being valuable. Besides, learning to paint is mostly just hard work, and I find it exhausting. <laughs> God heard my whining and complaining and rebellion, but he was completely unmoved. So today I stand before you choosing to release my dream of being someone important and doing something important, and I choose to pick up God's current calling in my life, being an artist. This is one of my works with the help of my art teacher. You see, God saw my dreams of wanting recognition and knew they were not his dreams, so he provided me with a new dream of becoming an artist. I do not believe that it is arrogant for us to trust that our small acts of letting go of our losses and being open to God's next provision will reap a harvest for his glory. In fact, I want to state that God is inviting you to partner with him for he has a mission for you to fulfill. But as you and I know, this is not without loss. Are you willing for God to take those losses and make a masterpiece of them? My friends, you have had time to acknowledge some of your losses. Have you given yourself the time needed to grieve and then release those losses? Are you ready to pick up the next assignment that God has for you? There is a hurting world out there and only God can determine what he wants for, to invite you to become involved in. 
Just know that each and every one of us has a part to play in revealing his justice and righteousness to the nations for his kingdom's sake. Are you ready to acknowledge that God sees your loss and pain and that God does provide the next step? Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful that we serve indeed a good, good Father. We're so thankful that we walk this path not alone. That whether we know you intimately or we see you from afar, we thank you that you are deeply involved in our lives. We want to surrender at this time, God, into your path. We want to say, God, that even in the midst of our loss, we want to surrender and say, God, you know what's best. And we're choosing you. Thank you so much that you have revealed that you know our losses and you care about our losses. We thank you so much that you are here to heal our losses and to bring us to the next step. We love you, Father. Amen.